creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They're all together ooky, the Adams family. The house is a museum, when people come to see them, they really are a scream, the Adams family. Neat. Sweet. Petite. So get a witch's shawl on, a broomstick you can crawl on. We're gonna pay a call on the Adams Family. And welcome back to the Dead TV Podcast, a podcast dedicated to all the canceled TV series and the science fiction fantasy and the horror genre. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Mr. Seneca. And the Dead TV Podcast is part of the Radio of Horror Network, and we have just celebrated about two years, a couple months ago, and we are beginning a brand new show tonight that will take us until, I believe, Mr. Zedeka did the math, until about October or November of this year, I think. The Adams Family. The Adams Family? Oh my god, yes, yes, yes. yes sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ever do that again. <laughs> uh, the Adams Family, as uh, if, on on TV from 1964 to 1966. Yes, uh, the Adams Family. For the first episode here, we have the synopsis. The Adams Family TV series was created by David Livy, who lived from 1913 till the year 2000. Um, in fact, he was born where you live, uh, Mr. Zeneca, in Pennsylvania. Oh yes. And yeah. looking at his, we also have one of our actors uh, was uh, in Pennsylvania as well. And uh, looking at his IMDb, other than the Adams family, he, uh, that's pretty much his biggest claim to fame. He has a couple things on there, but I mean other things on there, but nothing I've ever seen, and I guarantee you probably have never seen. Well, one thing you have to realize here is that David Levy, while on IMDb he's not credited for a lot, he was really kind of uh, influential in a lot of ways. So he had his hands on, like, Bonanza. And, uh, you know, there's another one, uh, don't have it in front of me, but it's like a doctor or something or other, a show I am completely unfamiliar with. But uh, so while he's not credited, he is, you know, uh, he was one of those creative forces within the television industry at that time. So Filmways was really listening to him. You know what's funny is that he also worked on the Phyllis Diller show, and both Phyllis Diller and the Adams Family teamed up with Scooby Doo at some point. Oh yeah, <laughs> Scooby Doo everywhere. Yeah, well, yeah, and the the Adams Family had uh, a cartoon series that followed the uh, the the television series, which we'll probably get to much later on. We don't need to really get into anything about the animated series right now. But um, oh, yes. the Adams Family was created by a man you have done meticulous research on. Yes, Charles Adams. So, uh, Charles Samuel Adams, uh, from 1912, and uh, died January 7th, or, uh, sorry, born January 7th, 1912, and died September 29th, 1988. So, he was the cartoonist, uh, one of the cartoonists, for the New Yorker magazine, and uh, he created the Adams family in piecemeal. Like, each one of these is just basically a character that he designed for a particular cartoon or string of cartoons. None of the cartoons really had cohesiveness until a little bit later. Um, we're going to be talking a lot about Charles Adams and his life throughout this entire podcast. Uh, each episode I'm wanting to bring a bit of his life into it. Uh, the Adams Family is so, so close to my heart. I was a collector of everything Adams Family. And, like, I have most of the television shows cast autographs, including Charles Adams. 
Um, since we're diving into the show, I want you to kind of get to know him. And so uh, in this episode, I'm going to do a little bit of a deep dive onto Charles Adams. And then subsequently, as we go forward, uh, podcast will have a focus of one particular uh, bit from either his life or his creations of the Adams family. So, Now, did Charles Adams have anything to do with the show itself? Besides just allowing the allowing the the rights, because the the one thing we need to point out is that the 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 Adams family, the living Adams family heirs, to this very day in 2019, hold the rights to the Adams family, the fictional characters. Um, this was not believed until a few years ago when the YouTube uh, tried to create a Wednesday grown-up YouTube series and got five episodes in before she got the pu- plug pulled out from underneath her, uh, the plug pulled out and the rug pulled out under- from underneath her by the lawyers of the Charles Adams estate. Yes, and that was a good show, too. I liked it. I thought it was great. It was very... It was it was the right type of morbid, twisted, and grown-up humor for uh, Little Wednesday as an adult. But uh, going back to my original question, how much was Charles involved with the show? Well, of course, in the beginning, he had to draft up characters for these cartoons. So he wrote a little synopsis, and when I go into each of the characters, you know, subsequent podcasts from now, we'll, I'll, you know, outline them in detail, but... He had each blurb for each character, and then he had some input on who the actors would be for those characters. Okay. Other than that, he really didn't have any hands-on this to it. Um, he that that was a television thing. He had no inter- influence in it. Uh, he did support it, although it was kind of a. I I tend to think that. His interaction with it was not exactly what he envisioned his family to be like, uh, but he was okay with it. You know, he never uh, said any sort of bad words about the television show or what David Levy did. Uh, David Levy was, you know, instrumental in bringing this to the screen. And if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be seeing the Adams Family today. Now, why don't we go through real quick, because this is the only time we really cover it, because the one, two, three, four, five, sorry, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven primary characters of the Adams Family are mm-hmm. Morticia Gomez, Uncle Fester, Lurch, Grandmama, Wednesday, and Pugsley, and Thing and Cousin It to an extent. Um, and Lurch. And I said Lurch. Oh, okay, sorry. But the primary characters are Morticia Gomez, Lurch, Wednesday, and Pugsley. Um, Uncle and Uncle Fester, I think. I mean, but it seemed to mostly focus on like the uh, immediate family for, mo- mm-hmm. for the most for the most part. And Thing, cousin, it, Grandmama, and Uncle Fester were side characters. I I I mean, definitely, uh, it was a side character because he was, he was not in every episode. No, and what's funny is that uh, Thing and It were my favorite characters. <laughs> As a kid, yeah, those were two were my favorite characters. I mean, it, when when the movie came out, I was so disappointed that we never had as much cousin it as we as we were supposed to. Yeah, yeah, he's shown there. He's shown. But yeah, no, he shows up very late into the first movie, um, yeah. and then he's got like two scenes in the second movie. Um, mm-hmm. So Carolyn Jones plays Morticia Adams, and the two things that are biggest claim to fame that come to that that always came to me was the original House of Wax. Starring uh, the late great Vincent Price, um, mm-hmm. the War of the Worlds movie. Uh, she's in that, but not really uh, credited that that much. But also Invasion of the Body Snatchers. 
from 1956. Yes. Uh, Carolyn Jones was a prolific actress, a wonderful actress. And, uh, you know, House of Wax is great. When she did a lot of television, like Fantasy Island, Dragnet. Yep. Um, yeah. Wonderful, and she was just a great human being as well, and she was a hell of a partier, too. I'll get into that later. And she unfortunately suffered from uh, severe asthma and uh, died in 1983 at the age of 53, so not Answer. very much into her life before she unfortunately passed away. And and she never got to live to see the, the fame the Addams Family would bring her in conventions and, 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 and uh, merchandising in the, in the, when the, uh, the merchandising market blew up in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, true. Um, John Astin, uh, shockingly, born in 1930, is still alive today and is 89 years old now. Ah, that would be my bucket list autograph to get, actually. Yeah, and still acting to this very day, having appeared recently in Justice League Action, which is an animated series on uh, Cartoon Network that got canceled after one season. Um, But he's also appeared in uh, The New Addams Family as Grandpa, Grandpapa Adams, which is funny, Mm -hmm. because there was Grandmama. Um, and uh, a movie that I was shocked you hadn't seen, The Frighteners, where he plays the judge. Yeah, I hadn't seen that one. Yeah, and uh, I remember him as a bumbling security guard in Step by Step, which is a TV series starring Susan Sarandon. Um, and he was on Murder, She Wrote, and, of course, he was Professor Albert uh, Wickwire in The Adventures of Briscoe County, Jr. Lots of voices on shows, from Duckman to the Wild Thornberries to Pinky and the Brain. To the Adams Family, once again, playing Gomez Adams. Yes. Uh, both, uh, all, the main cast, uh, Carolyn Jones, Jackie Coogan, Ted Casty, they reprised their role several times for each iteration. Correct. Um, the main cast really did that. I think uh, uh, Ken Weatherwax did a little bit. Uh, but yeah, they just kind of... They were those characters, you know, to the hearts and minds of their fans. Jackie Coogan, who played, uh, who played Uncle Fester, um, uh, had a the career... The first child actor. The first child star. What do you mean? Okay. Jackie Coogan is classified as the first child star. Oh, he, right. Yeah, right. he starred with Charlie Chaplin in the movie called The Kid. And this was... Um, such a successful film that he made bank, like absolutely bank in this movie from 1921. And the laws had to be changed simply because his parents stole all of his money from him because there was no laws protecting child actors. Right, right, yeah. a law was specifically made, uh, you know, Jackie Coogan's law, so that every child actor from here on forward now has some legal protection for the money they earn. So many different productions. Uh, the Red Skeleton Show, I mean, again, as you said, he performed with Charlie Chaplin. I mean, he had a long career before he was on The Addams Family. A lot of, I mean, a lot of these shows, like The Addams Family, I mean, the, the three biggest TV, the four biggest TV series of the 60s that come to mind with, with uh, in regards to, like, um, breakout success for the actor's career, or whatever. Star Trek, Batman, The Addams Family, uh, The Avengers, you know? 
but Coogan had a huge career leading up to it. A lot of those shows I mentioned, um, that was like the breakout for them. They had been in commercials or bit parts here and there. You know, Shatner was on the Twilight Zone. But, you know, the, those shows or whatever, the shows that are known for the 60s was the breakout role for that actor. Whether or not their career went on anywhere afterwards as a whole other story. Um, and, and sometimes it didn't. But uh, Coogan, man, his career was huge before that. Um, and now we have Ted Cassidy, who played Lurch. Um, who I remember him as a uh, the narrator from the Incredible Hulk TV series. Oh, yeah. And uh, he is the, uh, uh, what's funny, and my son absolutely would love this, he is the voice, I mean voice by growling, of Godzilla in the Hanna-Barbera 1978 Godzilla cartoon series. Oh, yes, yes. He was the voice uh, of Brainiac and Black Manta, who, if you saw Aquaman this past December, you know who, who Black Manta is nowadays. <laughs> and Brainiac has been the villain on the awesome sci-fi series Krypton. Uh, he was the voice of Brainiac and Black Manta on that. He was the voice of Ben Grimm, a.k.a. the Thing of the Fantastic Four in the 1970s. Um, I mean, this actor definitely had that voice to play these type of rough and gruff characters, like Benjamin J. Grimm, the ever-loving blue-eye thing. And he was also on the original Star Trek in three episodes. Definitely. He was also in The Six Million Dollar Man. Maria, Marie Blake, had probably the oldest actress on the show because she was born in 1895. You know, they credit her as Marie Blake, but I just know her as Blossom Rock. From... No, that's a, that's the name she used, Blossom Rock. Her name, uh, her full name is actually Edith Marie Blossom McDonald Rock. Oh, okay, gotcha. All right. She married Clarence Rock, so Rock. She so in some of her IMDb credits, she's Blossom Rock, and in some, she's credited as as Marie. And then we have Lisa Loring, who is still with us today as well, who played Wednesday Adams, and uh, other than like an appearance on Fantasy Island and. A couple things here and there. She, the the Adams family was pretty much it for her. Um, what what she's doing today, we will eventually get to that. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe we can have her on the show. It's a possibility. I mean, she does conventions, so she is yeah. still pretty lively. John, I don't, I do, I would, I would be shocked, but that's probably not going to happen. But uh, um, Ken Weatherwax, I had a chance to meet him, and I didn't. Uh, he was oh. at the same convention as. Uh, Lisa in 2014 in uh, Rhode Island, and I and did not meet him. And he's passed on now. That you've missed your chance. Yeah, he passed on in December of uh, 2014. Uh, his his IMDb as well only says the Adams family. Yeah, his more than Lisa's is uh, mainly just pure Adams family. I don't think he pursued the acting career afterwards, um, despite the rest of his family having an interest. Uh, the actor who played the hand of the thing. We never get to see the thing's body. <laughs> no, we don't get to see the thing's body, but we know the thing's body because it's the same actor, Ted Cassidy. Uh, he actually played uh, the thing. Um, it, it, that was his hand, although in the scenes where you see the thing and Lurch, uh, it is someone else uh, doing the hand. It's a producer. He worked, um, by the way, uh, Ken uh, worked as a, um, a grip um, and set builder for uh, many years afterwards. That's pretty much his career.
it doesn't go in a lot of detail about what Lisa has been doing the last uh, last several years. Um, but uh, Ken was working as a uh, had worked as like a carpenter. He you know he pretty much got a trade. Um, but yeah, th- yeah that was um, interesting about the thing. Um, we'll get to cousin it eventually when he gets on the show. Actors in this episode uh, for guest stars um, were pretty much like the Batman show. Every week it was like a different actor uh, who wanted to get on the Adams family at some point. In this first episode, we have Alan Jocelyn. Sorry, yeah, I was going to say, he plays Mr. Hillard. Yeah, Mr. Hillard, who actually appears on three episodes uh, for the Addams Family. As the same character, too. Same character. Same frazzled character. Now, the his secretary, it was driving me nuts who she was. And then I looked at her IMDb, and I was like, oh, she's Mrs. Cooper from Batman. Yeah, exactly. She <laughs> is, she's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's a she she is a longtime character on the Batman show. She was uh she was on she was the uh she was the loving aunt of the of uh of Bruce Wayne, which doesn't make a lot of sense considering Bruce is supposed to be an orphan, but they never got into like the uh that whole backstory of Batman on that show. But yeah, that's what most people remember her from is being on Batman. Because she was in every episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just recognize her face immediately. Yeah, and of course she was also on uh, Leave It to Beaver. Uh, she's also on The Man from Uncle, My Favorite Martian, Bob Hope Show, Jack Benny Program, a lot of the real standby shows. The Real McCoys, The Lieutenant, Joey Bishop Show. Now, if you comedy. now if you notice at the beginning of the episode, we didn't play the music by Jesso Lantern, but we played the Adams Family theme song by Vic Mizzy. And I actually happen to have the album, the vinyl soundtrack that comes in as it's put on here by Barnes & Noble, because it's a Barnes & Noble exclusive, Uncle Fester Light Bulb Edition Glow in the Dark Vinyl. And it does glow in the dark, too. <laughs> nice. Now, the version on here for the main theme is the Adams Family instrumental version. This is the two-minute long version. We played the 30- to 40-second television version uh, with you, you know, you got the dialogue about the Adams family and stuff like that. But the uh, instrumental version, I'm gonna be completely honest. I've never been a huge fan of the instrumental version versus the version that's actually played in the beginning of the episode. Same thing with Neil Hefty's Batman theme. You listen to the full version of that versus what's played at the beginning of every episode. I prefer the one at the beginning of every episode. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what they play at the end is the extended version, and uh, I don't like those little, hoo, hoo. yeah, that kind of bothers me every time they <laughs> they play that. Also, the, uh, the the album cover has a full color image of the Adams Family cast. Yes, and that was on the cover originally when it was produced. Yeah, but we mostly know them as being in black and white, which is one of the reasons why the show ended but we'll get to that when we get to episode 66 as well as like the legacy of everything that came out afterwards which we're not going to get into during the course of the show we will get to the adams family television shows specials spinoffs remakes and so on and so forth eventually we'll we'll go into it all eventually eventually we've got a lot of episodes to do this in so we're parsing out each slice of information one at a time for you so this slice for today is about charles adams for those of you that have never actually seen charles adams just know that he's associated with the Char- with the Adams family. Let me give you a little bit of background about him. So, imagine Walter Matthau from Grumpy Old Men. 
the, the look to his face, you know, kind of large nose, large ears. He's very similar in appearance. In fact, uh, Walter Matthau and Charles Adams were often confused walking down the street uh, for each other. Um, when they were young, when they're old, they look fairly close. So if you imagine him, Charles Adams has a perpetual smile. Uh, it, it's a charming and disarming smile and, and wholesomeness to him. And his smile never shows teeth. So he just is kind of like this grinning, happy-go-lucky guy. Um, he's got this wry and dark sense of humor, uh, this twinkling eyes that kind of shaped into crescent moons when he smiled. So it just really lit up the room when he, when he smiled. Uh, he was a listener more than a talker. Uh, so he w has been quoted as saying, everyone has something to tell if you'll listen. So he was a wonderful person to just have over and talk with because you could talk forever and he would just listen to you. And by the time you've left, you've never really realized that you never got to hear about his life. And he was a very interesting guy. Uh, he was quite the bachelor about town as well in New York. Uh, so he was a cartoonist. And that's all he ever wanted to be. He wanted to draw. He wanted to make cartoons. He didn't really want to be a, a writer of a novel, nothing like that. He just loved to draw. Uh, he was also fascinated with medieval weaponry, as evidence from the show. Uh, the Adams Family television show was really more a Charles Adams-flavored television show that used his characters. Uh, the characters themselves were, as I had said, kind of interspersed here and there between his drawings, um, and the show kind of put them all together. But the design and the style for the Adams Family house, I suppose if you were to walk into Charles Adams's real house, it would be, uh, I, I guess the television show would be a dramatized version of his house. But his house did have an embalming table, and it did have crossbows on the walls, and you know, medieval weaponry here and there, odd sculptures, a suit of armor. So it was fairly similar, but, um, you know, Charles Adams had his own style and flair. Did Was the weird sense of humor that the Adams family have indicative of Charles's, uh, the, who he was? Because I've read... The I read very few of the original New Yorker comic strips. Um, I actually had a calendar that had a bunch of them in it, which was great. W was that the way him and his family talked to each other? You know, things like, um, oh, I could not a cute little baby. I could just eat him up. No, you mustn't. Too young. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's that dry sense of humor, the, the dark sense of humor that Charles Adams had, that some of those ideas for his comic strips came from those moments where... Um, you know, there was a experience where he was at a house with a whole bunch of kids roaming around, this friend family, and two of the kids are coming home from camp. And as the mother is saying, oh, yeah, the kids are coming back from camp, he imagined the kids coming home in dog crates because he didn't really realize how they came home. That was his first thought. And so that thought transi translated into a cartoon later for the Adams kids coming home in dog crates. So it, it, his sense of humor really bled onto his cartoons and therefore went to the television show uh, as inspiration. But he did also get a lot of ideas from other people as well. In this episode, do you want to go through the episode plot? Well, uh, yes. Let's do that. Uh, the episode synopsis. The Adams family goes to school. 
Originally aired September 18, 1964, Sam Hilliard, a truant officer, visits the Adams family because neither of the children has ever set foot in school. He convinces Gomez and Morticia to meet with the principal to convince the children to go to school. Miss Comstock, who doesn't think much of Mr. Hilliard, persuades the Adams to put Wednesday and Pugsley in school, but also asks Hilliard to revisit the Adams' home. The Adams' children are disturbed by the Grimm's fairy tales that are read at school. They think that the dragons are really being killed. Hilliard is frightened by the Adams, especially Lurch and the loud gong that summons him, but he is most shocked when Gomez suggests that he try the rack for relaxation. So right off the bat, at the beginning of the Adams Family show, we do not have an origin story about the Adams Family, who they are, where they came from, how they are, what they are. None of that has ever been explained, and I don't think has ever, ever been explained in any iteration, cartoon, spin-off, sequel, remake of the Adams Family ever. Correct? That is correct. They, they have no quote-unquote origin story, although you do get flashes of the history of the Adams family as told by them um, like there's something in the Hanna-Barbera cartoons about you know a, a family member had owned Central Park in New York you know, so you get little bits and pieces here and there but it, there really is no origin story for them in that's canon the uh, the episode directed by Arthur Hiller by the way this is the only episode that of uh, the Adams family that he directed uh, he also worked on the uh, wonderful world of Disney and the excuse me, the Perry Mason show and the Alfred Hitchcock Presents show. So in the opening credits, you do see that, like, Gomez is sharpening the the, uh, the wrought iron fence and, you know, that type of thing. That cartoon is actually in his, uh, it's portrayed by Fester, uh, really, in a cartoon from 1950, where it's Fester that's looking a little bit more like Groove from Despicable Me, uh, sharpening the fence. I always thought that Gru from Despicable Me had a very Uncle Fester kind of look to him. Oh, totally, totally. Like the sharp nose, the round skull, the sunken eyes, totally Fester. Do the Adams family ever change their clothes, or is it the same thing they wear in every episode? Like, Morticia's always wearing that gothic dress, and Gomez is always wearing the stripes. Fester's always uh, wearing that moo-moo. <laughs> the only time that they actually change out of those clothes is, I think there's one episode where they're doing moonbathing, so they're wearing bathing costumes and oh. I don't think Morticia's changes that much but Gomez has like a striped bathing suit um, who wore it better no... Carolyn or Angelica Houston Carolyn Jones by far really by far okay oh I was gonna, I was gonna throw in there Daryl Hannah but I didn't want to Daryl Hannah and uh, Tim Curry played Gomez and Morticia in the third Adams Family movie yes yes there's, there's a lot of actors and actresses that uh, uh, played Gomez or Morticia and Nathan Fillion in the Broadway production of the musical. Yes. <laughs> so the okay, so the man, so the man comes, the mailman comes to deliver mail, and Thing grabs it, uh, which you know kind of spooks him. Where is uh, the actor who plays Lurch uh, offset from that? I mean, is it like because in some of those scenes, Lurch is coming out from an area that nobody could possibly be under. Is it like a mirror that's blocking them, so it looks like it doesn't look like there's something there? I think they might have used mirrors, or I just think they use creative carpentry. And, and you know, he's a tall guy, so he's got really long arms. The gong is a noose, which I think is hilarious. Yes. <laughs> uh, the man from the school, which I thought was the principal, but you said it was the truant officer, meets Lurch, and Lurch, like, carries him in. 
the fact that Gomez plays with his trains is hilarious. Uh, why else would a grown man play with his trains but to blow them up? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a manly pursuit right there. Uh, this, the footage from this episode is actually used multiple times throughout the series. So they don't blow up the trains all the time. They just had to blow it up once. Yes, correct. Uh, to cut down on uh, a lot of different things, and of course, a lot of the stuff uh, from the opening sequence, the opening of the show, uh, during the different cutscenes while they're playing the song, come from this episode too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the only episode where you actually see the outside of the house that it's not a soundstage. So this is actually a house in Los Angeles, which unfortunately is no longer there. Um, but it was seen just before Mr. Hilliard walks up to the front steps. When it gets to the front steps, that is now a soundstage. I always thought that um, the Adams Family kids went to... I mean, before I really got invested into the show, I always thought the Adams Family kids maybe went to private school. But no, they're homeschooled. Yes, homeschooled. The Adams Family are just independently wealthy, whereas the, uh, the Munsters actually have to go to work, right? Yes, uh, I think the the Munsters, they had more, you know, blue-collar jobs, and the Adams family were independently wealthy from some unknown source. Probably from selling Central Park to New York. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you, you do see him during the show uh, watching the ticker tape of the stock market, so he's definitely got some stocks. Uh, definitely believes he has enough political clout and and money to persuade elections. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, he uh, he does run for office eventually. We will get there. Funny enough, around the same time, we're gonna start exploding in uh, political uh, stuff happening here. <laughs> Don't force it on us early. <laughs> okay. Uh, in the beginning of this show, you do see the ep- the sign that says "Beware of the thing." Uh, that's ripped straight from his cartoon uh, uh, skits. So that's ripped from the pages. That was a Adams Adams cartoon in the New Yorker. The portrait that you see on the wall when Mr. Hilliard walks in, which is the giraffe in the suit, uh, which Wednesday says that's a friend of my daddy's. Uh, that isn't uh, is said to be like a, a friend of the family's, but if you want your own copy of that, uh, someone had recreated that exact painting, and you can find it on Etsy. Uh, it's an illustration by Scott Olson at Toad House Editions, and it's uh, billed as Camel Opardra's Adams. Notice that Gomez calls uh, Morticia Tish. Tish. Oh, Tish. Yes. <laughs> They also use Larch like a jukebox when he's playing the piano. Either he's going to be playing some um, very soft music or he's going to uh, belt out into some rock and roll for uh, Morticia to shake her uh, hips to. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, (laughs) geez, Carolyn Jones has got some moves on her and that very curvy dress of hers. I mean, all I remember hearing about growing up and not quite understanding, and I totally get it now, is how she looked in that dress. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when you ask me who wore it better, that scene right there where her just like she's shaking her 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 hips and and dancing a little bit in this very very tight gown, like yeah, she definitely wore that dress better. Who do you think had better sex, the Adams family um, husband and wife or the Munsters? Oh, Adams by far. Definitely. They were kinky. Yeah, I, I think I think with the uh, I think with the Munsters you'd had to keep uh, putting them back together. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the parts of Frank would keep falling Oh, out. yeah. 
but uh, it definitely seemed like whereas like and you know we might we might we, I'm not gonna try and constantly compare the Adams Family to the Monsters, but unfortunately it's it, it's it's unavoidable because both shows around are on around, around the same time, and and there's always comparison between the two. Um, but the uh, the Adams Family, uh, Morticia and Gomez definitely had a a love affair that was so uncommon at this time in 19 in the 1960s. Yeah, they were a TV family where you could really imagine that the parents loved each other and actually had sex. Right. I can't think of a whole lot of other couples on television at the time that had that type of like sexual chemistry between each other that it was just exploding every 5 minutes. I dream of Jeannie comes to mind. Less to the extent of Bewitched, only because I felt Be- Bewitched was so suburban, it, even though she was a witch and he was a mortal. Um, mm-hmm. It was like she was so domesticated by him, whereas in I Dream a Genie, she's a genie from the Arabian Nights, rather now a obviously tan-skinned blonde one with blue eyes, but that's besides the point. She's a genie mm-hmm. from the Arabian Nights. She's going to be extremely flirtatious and sexually driven. <laughs> And he's an Air Force colonel, so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, time. this is why uh, this is why I like the goth chicks. <laughs> I'm just saying, they're a little weird. <laughs> I, I agree. They I agree. are very weird uh, in bed. I'm not stereotyping. I'm just saying, based on my own experiences with truth, several of them, truth. I'm uh, not unspeaking the truth. In fact, I will probably be able to uh, mention this podcast at least three or four of them and go, "Yeah, that's true." I like that. <laughs> I mean, well, you know that scene where you know the the thunder is crashing. Carolyn Jones kind of turns her face to the camera and she grabs her shoulders, saying like, "Oh, how you know, she she's getting uh, so turned on by the, by the the crash of the thunder." And Gomez responds to that and and passionately like kisses her back and and shows affection on camera. That was unheard of back then. And it was something you wanted more of. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of uh, sexually repressed women of the 60s looked at the Adams Family like sexually repressed housewives look at Fifty Shades of Grey today. Hmm. That's that's a good thought. Think about Fifty Shades of Grey. Despite all of its incredible flaws, problems, and a whole bunch of shit we're not going to get into this podcast about, you can probably listen to Mistress Zeneca rant and rave about at some panel at some convention involving BDSM. Um, It opened the doors for sexually repressed housewives. I mean, that's why they called it mommy porn. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, shows like The Addams Family were that outlet for people who were living in this suburban, domesticated, you know, situation that they couldn't get themselves out of, that they'd been, they'd been in since the 50s, you know what I mean? The husbands come home from war, they're kind of basically left to be at home in servitude to their husbands, you know, they start having kids in the late 40s, early 50s. By the, by the time the kids are teenagers and the Adams family's on TV, all of those wives from the 40s and 50s who are now in their 40s or so are, like, feeling like, I'm missing out on something. Yeah, there's an empty nest now, and they've got to fill it with, you know, other other things that occupy their time, and what do they know, and what do they want to do with their life, and this is a really exciting time where individualism was becoming to be valued instead of conformism, and Adam's family really embodied that type of non-conventional living, and, I mean, 
can you have a relationship where the wife and the husband never fight? Like, they never fight in the entire series. Can you have that? And can I have that for my life? You know, that, those are the things that kind of spurned on the popularity of The Addams Family. And it did win, uh, I think the highest in ratings it got was uh, number 23 during the first season. Is that good or bad, considering how many little, few TV series there were on the TV at the time, or nowadays? I, I think it was good. It, it's, it's noted as big ratings. You know, it wasn't wildly successful, it wasn't a blockbuster, but it was good enough. And um, it, it was winning out certain audiences more than the Munsters. It won more international audiences, of course. Um, at the time in the 60s, at the same time that the Adams was showing, we had Gilligan's Island, which also started in 1964, Bewitched, which also started in 1964. Uh, we've got the Beverly Hillbillies, which started in 1962. By the way, uh, Mr. Zenick and I will not be discussing what we were doing in 1960, 1960 <laughs> in, 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 in the 60s, because we weren't born until the 1980s. <laughs> so <laughs> we don't have anything to like compare to talk about with our own personal lives with the 1960s. But I can I can tell you when I first discovered the Adams Family was on it was it was in reruns, probably on CBS. I don't remember what channel was in rerun was rerunning the Adams Family. It was probably in syndication, but that's how I grew up watching the Adams Family. Was when I was. Uh, growing up in the 80s, like, you know, reruns of Star Trek or reruns of whatever. One really neat thing about the Adams Family that uh, stuck with me, a few years ago I went to a Halloween party, and they uh, were showing the Adams Family on their HD TV in the living room. It was really cool. I'd never seen the Adams Family, first of all, in HD. So seeing it in black and white like this was awesome. And it was a really cool kind of, like, Halloween decoration for a Halloween party to see the Adams Family, even though it was, like, the sound was off and there was, like, you know, rock music or Halloween music playing. It was still very, very cool. I remember a lot of us were gathered in the living room watching the Adams Family instead of, you know, like, dancing or something like that. Uh, the person who put on this party actually owns this great little golf store in Salem, Massachusetts called Die With Your Boots On and a publishing company called Fun Dead, Public, uh, Fun Dead Publications, uh, Amber. Uh, good woman, good business, uh, good businesswoman. You know, I don't even remember the first time I saw The Addams Family because I have been obsessed with The Addams Family since I can remember. I, I co started collecting it. At my height of collection, I had over 500 objects. And, you know, they ranged from... Pogs from the uh, modern 90s uh, Adams Family cartoon show to pinball machine instruction manuals to books and I'll even post on our Facebook group a picture of some of my more valuable collections, the autographs that I have and the Charles Adams books that I have but yeah, it, I, I don't remember but I've always loved it. From the moment I saw it I knew that this was this was the, uh, the thing for me. So that's pretty much all the notes I have here for the first episode of The Addams Family. Now, in previous episodes of the podcast, we've kind of gone through it like, you know, beat by beat by beat the show. This is a little bit more difficult as The Addams Family react to the plot line happening around them. And it's just like comedy joke, comedy joke, comedy, co comedy joke, comedy joke. That was because uh, the, the timing and the pacing of the jokes is relative to, say, a Groucho Marx production. Uh, there's a lot of the same people working on Adam's Family as, as some of his productions, so every line is supposed to be a laugh point. You know, every line is a quick one-liner or, you know, 
plot is is minimal. It's really how everyone else in the world interacts with the Adams family. Right. Now, didn't you also say you had a uh, Adams family photo that you were going to post? You as Morticia or Wednesday? Uh, it'd be me as Wednesday. You as Wednesday. Yes. So we must get this amazing photo of you up as Wednesday Adams <laughs> as soon as possible. How old are you in this photo? Uh, well, this this would be a recent photo. Oh, this is a recent photo. This is, okay, so this is Adult Wednesday. I tried to explain to somebody without sounding too creepy, but they didn't quite understand when I meant the word adult, even though I said it like four times, about the fetish of Wednesday Adams, more so than Morticia. You have any woman over the age of 18 dressed up as Wednesday, it is like Catholic schoolgirl dress up. There is a Wednesday Adams fetish out there. And I would agree. based on cosplayers dressing up as her, you gotta believe it's there. I mean it's 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 a kind of a hot look. It's all you know, it, it's not overly revealing. It's not supposed to be. You know, it's supposed to be buttoned up to the neck and then you got I mean, if you've seen the T V series Sabrina, the Chilling Adventures on Netflix, there are Wednesday Adams walking around that show like crazy. I mean, the girls at the posh witch private you know uh satan worshiping school the one that got in trouble from uh the church of satan the girls dress up as wednesday adams <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i i have a, a recent picture of me as wednesday and then i have uh one from i suppose i think it was 2000 or 2001 where i'm dressed as uh morticia with my uh uh, partner at the time who was dressed up as Gomez. I oh, post that one you should post that one. You can cut him out yeah. if you, I mean, if you want to. I mean, <laughs> I'm not, I've been saying you have to post something with a former lover, but yes, you should totally post both of those pictures. I'm sure everybody would love to see them. <laughs> I know I would, but that's a whole other thing. Well, that's it for this. Uh, the first episode of the Adams Family on the Dead TV podcast. We will be on this episode uh, for a long time, not as long as we were on the Friday the Thirteenth. But um, we will be on the Adams Family through most of this year, and we will be back uh, next week with two episodes. So we did the first episode to get a lot of the IMDb history of Charles Adams, or as much as we can talk about on the air, as much as we could. So uh, we'll be back next week with two more episodes. Check us out on the Dead TV Podcast Facebook page. Don't forget to find us on our individual Twitters at ChrisDSAV and at ElegantlyKinky. If you wish to watch The Addams Family, by the way, it is available. Last time I checked, it was on Hulu, but I'm not 100% sure about that. But it is available it is, on... It is on Hulu. Okay, it is on Hulu, and it has been on DVD, re-released several times. It's not... It's It might be out of print right now, but it's not hard to come by. It's not like it's in moratorium and you got to shell out $50 a box set. We're talking about slim discs, like three-disc sets... There's three of them. They sometimes come in a really crappy-looking paper sleep slipcase, but they're very, very easy to, ha to, to find. If you, again, if you have Hulu, like she said, then you can find it on there. So if you want to watch it with us, if you get the DVDs, there is bonus material. We'll go over the bonus material at the end of uh, Seasons 1 and 2. Uh, the first episode had a commentary as well, by the way, so check that out and check it out with the commentary. It's with a film historian. If you, again, if you were to watch the episode and then listen to the podcast, it is available. Uh, thank you for tuning and in. Ne ne sorry. Next week's focus area will be on Morticia. Yeah, so we'll try to spotlight a different character per episode. But, uh, yeah, so thank you, everybody, to for checking out the first episode. And we will be here through October, like I said, including th when the animated movie comes out. There is an animated Adams Family movie coming out, and you guarantee... 
we can guarantee you we will have reaction, not a reaction video, but we will be talking about the trailer when it finally drops when, uh, I believe it's dropping with um, Secret Life of Pets 2, which is a I'm, Illuminati I'm movie. E I'm excited and scared. <laughs> I just saw the trailer for um, The Secret Life of Pets and immediately thought of The Addams Family. I wasn't the biggest fan of the first one. I thought it was cute. It was funny. I'm more interested in the second one because Harrison Ford is going to play a dog in the movie. <laughs> So, but yeah, the Adams Family trailer should be out with Secret Life of Pets too. See you next week, everybody. Bye. This program is sponsored by Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts. Located on 185 Worcester Street, right on Route 9. They can be reached at 508-545-8105 or at wickedchronicvendorcommerce.com. Wicked Chronic is a boutique-style retail shop that focuses on selling counterculture products such as Wiccan cannabis cultures coming together in a unique setting. You need something for that special spell? Go on down to Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts and speak to Beverly. Tell them Dr. Chris sent you. Check them out today.